We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye, hitting you with a recap of the Nets' loss to the Mavericks, 119-107. Back-to-back losses for the Nets at home the previous night, falling to the Golden State Warriors. This was a rough game. We're going to jump into that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But getting to this game, you know, Dallas really established a strong lead going into halftime. Third quarter, the Nets make a little run. They play well for majority of the quarter, allow Luka. You know, some of that's just Luka being great. Some of that's just the Nets giving them the opportunity. Luka hit some big threes at the end. Feels like the game's out of reach. Nets knock down some big threes in the fourth quarter. Stay within reach. Then there's a sequence essentially where uh, Ben Simmons gets the ball popped out of his hands on a rebound. Kyrie hits a three. Next possession, Nets miss a shot. Kyrie comes back down, hits another three. And obviously, Kyrie's return to Brooklyn tonight. He went off in this game. He had 36 points, 15 to 24 from the field, 6 of 10 from three. Uh, felt like he was definitely playing with a different level of motivation. We know Luka in this game, 35 points, 13 to 27 in the field, 4 of 11 from three, 18 rebounds, 9 assists. And you're wondering why I'm starting with the Mavs players. I think it starts with them because the game plan you know, should have been to eliminate these guys and make them less effective and force other guys to beat you on this team. You know, you look at Derek Jones Jr., you look at Maxi Kleba, you look at Josh Green, Dwight Powell, all Grant Williams. You know, those are the guys you want taking shots. And the Nets elected to double team Luka early on in this game, but they doubled him in a way where he was one pass away from finding the open man. You know, in those situations, and we've seen the Nets do this before and plenty of other teams in the league, you know, the the first guy rotates off his man, someone's rotating behind him, having his back, and then you get into the rotation sequence, force the opposing team to make multiple passes. Tonight, it was too easy. You know, there's plenty of times in this game where they doubled Luka and gave Kyrie Irving a wide-open three or a wide-open drive to the rim, and that's just bad basketball. You know, it's just overall, defensively, there was no cohesion. Nobody had each other's back. You know, there's a couple good possessions here and there in terms of single defense and the adjustment of putting Claxton on Luka in the second half had some positive plays, but obviously he's a very good player. You know, I thought Ben played some good minutes defensively in this game as well, but him on a minutes restriction definitely had an impact. Obviously, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Cam Johnson also missing this game. Short Shorthand in terms of rotation-wise, but still there was probably an opportunity for the Nets to 
have a real shot to steal this at the end. You know, they're, like I said, they were within range. They made some bad plays. The Mavs hit some big shots. Next thing you know, you're you're taking an L. And I think just going down the line, you know, Nick Claxton continues to be really impactful defensively. You know, five blocks tonight, as I mentioned, you know, had some really good possessions on Luka, finished with 11 rebounds, only had nine points, three of nine from the field. You want to see him, you know, obviously shoot better than that. There was a couple opportunities inside, which he probably could have finished. It should probably be more like a five of nine or six of nine from the field type of night but still you know Clax defensively is bringing some juice uh Mikel Bridges you know I think Mikel in this role is when he's at his best when he's not asked to create a ton you know guys are setting him up be it Cam Thomas be it Ben Simmons be it Spencer Dinwiddie Dennis Smith Jr. he had 28 points 11 and 21 from the field 5 11 from three you know four assists one rebound two steals um defensively you know still not where he needs to be in terms of his standard but I think offensively you know he's hitting open shots looking confident from three doing his thing out there and I think even you'd probably argue maybe he's slightly gassed just given how short he was on so many different attempts in this game still shooting over 50% from the field and over 45% from three but again this is I think a good role for Mikel Bridges this is you know when he's not asked to create for himself a ton you know maybe sometimes with the second unit maybe on nights when you know guys are injured or different things like that so i think we're getting a better idea of how to excel Mikel bridges you know how to allow him to be in the best position to succeed you know i think after last season there was a real question you know was what he did real could he be a second option on a championship team i think right now we're starting to establish he's he's more so a third option and that's okay you know especially if he's going to maintain this efficiency and soon probably get his defense back up to a higher level and it's also nice when you you played in a bigger role so guys are out okay you know our number one star is out for 10 games you know Mikel, can you step up for that stretch yeah you can so I think we've learned a lot about Mikel Bridges this season in terms of how he can fit best on a championship team. Cam Thomas, uh, I think this is kind of a hot and cold game for Cam because there were moments that there was some real growth in this game, but obviously shooting 6 of 16, 1 of 3 from the field, not ideal. Did have 16 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 1 steal, 2 turnovers, career high 8 assists, also 8 boards. That's pretty pretty high up there. I don't know if that's a career high for Cam, but probably one of his best rebounding nights. And he made an effort to impact the end of the floor. And I think you saw kind of the growth in real time for Cam Thomas in this game. You know, in that first quarter, his first couple shots, he was forcing it a little bit. And it was pretty clear Dallas was kind of giving him a little bit more attention, understanding who he is. And then you saw as the game progressed, he's hitting other guys for wide open shots. And honestly, you know, I don't know the potential assist numbers off the top of my head, but I would assume it would be probably close to 10 or 12 for him in this game. There was a real opportunity for Cam Thomas to have a double-double with 10 assists, which is pretty impressive stuff in terms of his growth. Uh, I think defensively, you know, at times he was part of the problem I mentioned earlier on. Is that Jock Vaughn? Is that just defensive cohesion as a team, not making those rotations? I think that's still one of the biggest areas of growth is, you know, his understanding of off-ball defense. But again, we saw growth in the assist department, the playmaking department, reading defense department tonight. It wasn't necessarily consistent throughout the game, but there were some major flashes from him in this one. And again, I really like him getting eight boards like this team stinks on the boards and you need everyone to kind of find a way to have an impact and that's grabbing a loose ball here or there or just you know being a little bit more aggressive that's okay so we'll take that from cam over to spencer doing it's kind of the same show for him you know he he's not fully into it be it is that vaughn is that his relationship with the team is that just his vibe right now who knows you know this potentially was his last game in a nets uniform 
The trade deadline is on Thursday, so the Nets will play later that night if Spencer is moved, you know, tomorrow or Thursday, you know, he won't be playing in that game. So there's a potential this was the last time we saw this roster have a game together. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith didn't play tonight, you know, maybe he played his last game previously. Even potential, maybe Cam Johnson could be moved. There's a lot of stuff on that front. We'll touch on that a little bit more at the end. Uh, over to Ben Simmons, who did start in this game. You know, Ben also had probably some progression. You know, you saw him attack the rim, hit some layups in this game, missed his first few, knocked down his last few. And I think he started to have a realization of like, okay, they actually don't even really have a center out there. There's no one who can truly block my shot. I should be pretty comfortable. Finished with nine points, nine rebounds, seven assists. You argue this is a 30-minute performance by Ben Simmons. He might have a triple-double. So I think there's been some real promise from Ben in his play. It's just, again, the same point over and over again. Can you count on him to play and be healthy, you know, consistently throughout a season? You know, can you rely on him going to a year that you can honestly say this guy's going to play 50 to 60 games and be ready to go in the playoffs? Like, you can't say that right now, and you can't really feel super confident in saying that. And until we see it happen for a year, you know, it's going to be an unknown. And that's going to be for Ben in terms of the Nets relationship and other teams around the league. But again, there was progress and promise in terms of his play. Uh, Royce O'Neal played 32 minutes in this one, 18 points, 6 of 16 from the field, 4 of 11 from 3, 6 rebounds, 2 assists. You know, Royce just kind of fills in, hit some big threes in this game, did what he could. You know, I think defensively, this is at times can be a tough matchup for him because his foot speed isn't great and they can get isolated on him in the perimeter or even just off ball cutting. You know, not necessarily the quickest guy uh but again you know Royce I think is good enough and that's why a lot of teams are interested in him because of what he can provide even if it's not as a starter it's as a role player and just ability to hit big shots and you know know what to do out there uh Dennis Smith Jr okay game in this one you know tried to hound Kyrie Irving as we know Kyrie Irving when hounded when bad defense good defense doesn't really matter it's just kind of a matter of him if he's in that zone, he's going to knock down his shots. Uh, Noah Clowney saw a very small stint early in this game. You know, I thought his first couple minutes he looked like a rookie. You know, guys were taking advantage of his size, his lack of experience. And then he had, a, I think, two good defensive possessions on Luka and also finished an open this one. So progress from him. Uh, but in terms of the, the rookie that really splashed tonight, Jalen Wilson, 10 points, was 3 of 7 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal was plus five and you just kind of felt his hustle out there there's just a lot of activity involved with him with a guy that doesn't necessarily touch the ball a lot and two two of three from three that's good stuff like that's what you'll take and you just love his activity on the boards you love his activity off ball you know there were rookie mistakes in this one you know gave Kyrie a cushion two to three times from the three-point land where it's just like hey man that's one of the best scorers in the league you need to get up on him if he beats you off the dribble you have to anticipate help. And I think that's also part of the problem with this Nets team. No one really has trust in the defense and someone's going to be there to protect them. And you look at that for multiple levels. You know, one, that's with them switching. Claxon being on the perimeter, not always able to rotate. And then also just like not having a secondary rim protector in almost any lineups. You know, occasionally Ben can block a shot, but he's, you know, not special in that area. And you know, that was the luxury of having, you know, Kevin Durant with Nick Claxon. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith can do some stuff in terms of rotation, but he's obviously out in this one. And Trenton Watford, you know, played a few minutes in this game. 
just was not in cohesion with Claxton. You know, they were there was a play where Mikel ran a pick and roll with Nick Claxton. Claxton went to roll to the rim, and Watford was already in that space. You know, and that's just kind of not an understanding of where you need to be to be most effective on the floor. And I think those sometimes are the small details that are you know holding this team back. And that's coaching, that's basketball IQ from the players, and that's an area they need to get better. You know, and again, that's on the players but that's also on the coaches and that's overall organizational vibe and the players in-house like if you're on a veteran heavy team someone's taking him on the bench and pointing to him like hey man that makes no sense and i'm not just calling out trenton watford there's these type of mistakes happen too frequently with this team in general where it's like guys are so focused on their role at times that they're not understanding what they need to do to make the team most successful you know and you have to be selfless at times to be good in the NBA especially when you're shorthanded and you're playing lineups that don't necessarily make a ton of sense but we're going to take a quick break and then we'll jump back into it with some net straight stuff we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, trade deadline on Thursday. We've heard the names mentioned in rumor. Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, Spencer Dinwiddie, Nick Claxton, quietly maybe Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson. At this point, seems like Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, and Nick Claxton are all safe. You know, we had the report from Mike Scotto that the Nets are looking to re-sign Claxton this summer. We saw another report that the Nets would have to be blown away this deadline to move on from Nick Claxton. You know, I think, and we are also heard the report from Scotto as well, that Claxton was looking for the 20 to 25 mil range. Obviously, you're going to put out a big number like that. Given the market out there, given how things are going to change with the CBA and cap and all those things, I think Claxton will probably get something more so in between 17 and 21. Uh, I would be very happy if the Nets, you know, got him for 17, you know, maybe 18. You know, that's after that, that's when it gets a little bit more complicated but you make a read on the situation length of contract matters as well and also just like the gauge of competition you know you also have to look at it from the perspective of you know five other teams are trying to sign clacks and you're within the range of number they might want to trade for him down the line a little bit in the future so i think you you try to balance you know main you know and i don't like to refer to players as assets but you know retaining the asset nick claxton in terms of 
the risk of losing him by overpaying him or underpaying him and all those different things. So I think it's just like you could lose him for nothing, but you're not overpaying him. Or you can retain him, but you take a chance that you might be overpaying him, and now your you know your cap is a little bit messed up moving forward. So there's definitely just a balance of being aggressive, overly aggressive, and understanding, letting things play out, but also not wanting to upset the player, which and rumor has potentially happened with other guys in the past, and maybe someone currently on the team. Uh, but over to that guy, maybe currently on the team, who does not seem happy with the organization that Spencer Dinwiddie, and it seems like Spencer is. You know, very likely to be traded. We've seen multiple reports from multiple people. The Nets are looking to move him. The market is not crazy for him. The one promising thing is his salary and what it would match in terms of a DeJounte Murray to L.A. deal or if the Nets made a straight-up deal with the Hawks for DeJounte Murray. So if DeJounte Murray is moved, there's a good chance it could be the Nets or the Lakers, and Spencer Dinwiddie is included in that deal. Otherwise, it's it's going to probably be something random where the Nets are taking money, bad money back potentially. If not, you know, I, I wouldn't completely rule out the idea of a buyout afterwards, just depending on how toxic things are behind the scenes. And moving over to Dorian Finney-Smith, we continue to hear different things on him. You know, teams are pursuing him. Uh, the Bucks have jumped in. They can't offer a first-round pick. Maybe they can come up with some combination of players. There was a report that Bobby Portis would not be uh, the player included. Uh, for Dorian Finney-Smith, so I'm not really sure how they can make that work. Uh, we also had reports that Dallas was interested in DFS, but they understand that they probably aren't going to make that deal, and that deal's probably not going to happen. So uh, there's been rumblings about OKC. You know, I think we heard stuff about Sacramento and earlier in the year in Miami. So, you know, maybe those teams, things start to, to pick up a little bit going into Thursday. In uh, the reports also, the Nets aren't looking for a late first-round pick, and they're not even looking for a 2024 first-round pick. They're looking for a 2025 or 2026 first-round pick that has top 20 potential. And if not, they will be willing to retain DFS going into the summer, which isn't the worst thing, but at the same time, it's kind of taking – a bigger bet on yourself to find a deal. I think at this point in time, you just got to be okay willing to take maybe a late first. You know, maybe not something terrible that's going to end up, you know, 29th or 30th. But if you're in the early 20s, you got another swing. You need to add youth to this roster, especially if you don't know what's going on. So we'll see what happens with the DFS situation. Royce O'Neal, we've talked about it. We talked about the Suns, the Cavs, um, all of these probably other teams too that are interested in DFS might settle for Royce O'Neal, who obviously is a wing that comes off the bench and can provide you some versatility offensively and defensively. So I think the Nets will likely probably ran, land some seconds for Royce at the very least. We also had a report from Jake Fisher. The Celtics are interested in Lonnie Walker, another potential area where the Nets maybe can land some second round picks. So uh, we'll see how it all plays out. I think one team I would be pretty keyed in on during the trade deadline in terms of how they're related to the Nets would be the Lakers. You know, if the Lakers make a trade, it feels like there's a very good chance the Nets can be involved in that trade. As I mentioned, DeJounte Murray going to LA, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to the Hawks and D'Angelo Russell is coming to the Nets. That's a real possibility that's been mentioned a lot over the course of the last month. And as I mentioned too, hey, they don't get DeJounte Murray. Now maybe they're looking for that package of Spencer Dinwiddie, Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith. They're sending... You know, maybe D'Angelo Russell potentially gave Vincent as a salary filler, or maybe they want to include Rui. Obviously, Rui Hachimura has provided more impact than Gabe Vincent. Um, and then maybe it's Jalen Huchifino, a protected first-round pick, something along those lines. So I think the Lakers, in terms of the connection to the Nets, there's a good chance that could play a role into thing, how things go. In multiple ways, even if Dorian Finney-Smith is sent somewhere else, again, Spencer Dinwiddie can be part of a trade to the Lakers in, in an array of different ways. So uh, pretty 
somewhat exciting stuff, I guess, going to Wednesday and Thursday, that there could be substantial changes or there could be a substantial addition in terms of a draft pick to this team. Uh, we don't expect Mikel Bridges, Nick Claxton, Cam Johnson, Cam Thomas, you know, those guys to get moved. But after that, you know, there's a good chance anyone can get moved other than maybe the rookies. You know, you look at those veteran guys and someone sends the right offer, they'll move them. You know, that goes for the veteran minimum ones. That goes for, you know, the Spencer Dooney, Doran, Finney Smith, whoever, you know. And hopefully Sean Marks is a little bit more aggressive. I think you want to be a little proactive in terms of setting a direction for this team and going to the second half of the year or the post-trade deadline half of the year and all right, you know, we're, maybe we're not going to make the playing game, but we're going to play Jalen Wilson. We're going to play Noah Clowney. We're going to play Cam Thomas. These guys, big minutes. We want to see what we have in these guys and how they can pro- progress moving forward. And maybe, you know, unlock some different things and see how Ben Simmons looks with the group and, you know, let Clax explore a little bit more offensively. There could be, it could be a very fun post trade deadline for the Nets. Uh, it also could be very bad if they don't make any moves and this is kind of the same team we see for the rest of the year there's also a small chance they add a splash player in DeJounte Murray which I think I'm not going to jump too much into I'll wait into see if that trade does come to fruition and what the deal is before I would really have an opinion on that because a deal would definitely impact the way I view that trade so much which is quite obvious but in terms of the protection on the first round pick how many first round picks who they're sending out and what the other rumblings are around the team if they were to make a move like that again don't think that's super likely more likely they trade off some guys and they walk away from the deadline with at least one more first round pick going into the offseason with potential to make a splash or just build something moving forward but as always big thanks everybody for listening check the buzz on all streaming platforms tax day is coming oh no but if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.